Hello and welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Insights podcast series. My name is Alison Ewings and I'm the General Manager for ESG here at QIC. I'm joined by Marika Ward, our Director of Fixed Income Strategy, who leads ESG in our Liquid Markets Group. Today we're going to dive into talking about decarbonisation in bond portfolios, including how collaborative engagement with sovereign bond issuers can drive the transition toward net zero and why we think this is so important. Welcome, Marika. Thanks, Alison. It's great to speak with you and we're really excited that you've joined QIC. Oh, that's very kind of you. I'm very excited to be here. So as one of the largest asset classes in the world, bond markets have a huge role to play in supporting climate transition, but don't always receive the same attention as equities in real assets. Why do you think that is? Sometimes I think there is a misperception that bondholders can't influence company policy because we don't have ownership rights. We can't vote on shareholder resolutions. We don't have board positions in companies. However, Alison, as you point out, the fixed income market is the largest provider of capital in the world. So when we're talking to management, we find that they and even policymakers often do value our input. Yeah, and I think for primary issuance too, I mean, that's particularly important because this is actually new money in a way that other asset classes can't always be. Absolutely. And the construct of the Australian bond market, a lot of the bond issuers in Australia are not listed companies. They're unlisted bond issuers, so they don't have the same access to equity markets, and they do tend to listen to bond investors more closely. And I think when we think about the systemic nature of some ESG issues and climate change in particular, actually the reach of bond markets into parts of the economy that things like equities just don't get to is actually really, really significant. Absolutely. The Australian bond market, if we think about the main benchmark in Australia, the Ausbond Composite Benchmark, only about 10% of that is comprised of corporate bond issuers. The rest of the benchmark and the sort of the important parts of the bond market here are Australian government bonds, state government bonds, supranational bonds. So that's an area that the equity markets really don't have access to. And there's a lots of discussion about you know, instruments like green bonds, whether they be for transition or for adaptation. I mean, what opportunities do you see for bond markets to facilitate the decarbonisation of economies, both within but potentially beyond those sorts of instruments as well? Specific instruments like green bonds or sustainability-linked bonds that have specific decarbonisation or climate-related targets really do encourage and they facilitate the decarbonisation of economies. But there aren't very many of those available in Australian dollars. So while they are good, they don't really allow investors to demonstrate investment in climate solutions here. So I don't think they're the only answer. What we really need in the Australian bond market is a broad range of companies decarbonising without having specific asset pools or types of instruments. 
And so we're using frameworks like the IIGCC's Paris Aligned Investment Initiative Net Zero Investment Framework. And we're looking at things like SBTI alignment and verification. And that can really help investors analyse and categorise the likelihood of a company decarbonising. So while we think green bonds and we love sustainability linked bonds for their ability to influence and demonstrate investment in climate solutions. You really, really need vanilla bond issuers to also be setting decarbonisation and climate targets in their own businesses. Yeah, I think it's a good point because as investors, you can get very excited about opportunities and upside. But when you are looking at systemic issues, you also need to think about risk management and the role of things like stewardship in being able to drive change. It's great to be able to do the shiny new things, but you can't focus or rely on them alone. And I guess I should ask you the question uh, around performance. Um, Any need to sacrifice returns to do any of these good (laughs) in the world activities? Yes. Look, the, there are research papers that suggest that climate is priced into bonds. There are papers that suggest uh, there's a cost if you, you know, a performance cost if you participate in the green bond market. We've done some work that looks at the performance of those sorts of securities versus vanilla bonds, and we don't note significant underperformance versus vanilla bonds. Um, In fact, the level of demand for those sorts of securities often sees them price tighter than the vanilla bond of the issuer. So, you do get, and you know, in the secondary market performance, people chase those bonds. So you do get some outperformance straight away. Uh, but we're also medium to long term investors. So we don't want to be invested in an industry or in an issuer that faces stranded financing risk, you know, the ability of them to re-access the bond market to refinance our bonds, either full stop or at a reasonable price is something that we consider when we're we're looking at the primary market or looking at buying a bond. So, you know, there's immediate sort of returns to think about, but there's also sort of, you know, bond investors are always thinking about how they're going to get repaid. And so I think that's sort of something that will become more important over time as well. QIC recently joined the PRI's sovereign engagement pilot. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that's trying to achieve? Oh, look, we've been very fortunate to be accepted into this collaborative engagement pilot. You know, we've done a lot of engagement with companies and with sovereigns directly ourselves, and we really think that there's a lot more weight in being involved in a collaborative engagement. The PRI's pilot is really designed to be two-way engagement, so it's not just investors telling government what you know, what we expect in terms of climate policy and the like. It's an opportunity for the sovereign to understand, you know, what investors are seeking to get some 
I guess, advice from sovereign investors in other parts of the world, really seeking to help reduce exposure to the risks involved in failing to rapidly transition to a net zero global economy. And, you know, if we fail to do that, that could impact the value of our sovereign debt investments. It could impact the continued competitiveness of national economies and investee companies. And really for us, given the importance of Australian sovereign bonds in fixed income portfolios here, we're really reliant on Australia succeeding in decarbonising in line with the Paris Agreement objectives in order for our portfolios to decarbonise as well. And I think that's an interesting point across a range of different asset classes and investments because in engaging, for instance, in my experience with companies, there are limits on what you can ask of a company based on the competitive nature of the industry that they're in. And there are things that are just better solved by a policy that levels the playing field on, and is efficient for investors because they haven't got to go around and try and make the case with each individual company. And I think you know, that's what's exciting from my perspective about us being involved in this pilot, that it is actually about benefiting the sovereign bonds portfolio and providing you with the information that you need to, to make those decisions. But it will also have flow on impacts for the national economies and the participants in those in which you know, investors are fully exposed to. So QIC have a number of clients who have themselves made net zero commitments across all of their portfolios. What are some of the challenges around including bonds in those decarbonisation targets? It is true that a number of clients have made net zero targets and obviously, you know, the the easier place to start when you're analysing is to start with your equity portfolios, but we are seeing clients start to look at how the net zero target will apply to bond portfolios. And we certainly think from the modelling work that we've done that it is possible to set a net zero target in a bond portfolio. It's not easy. There's a lot of manual modelling work that we've had to do because of data gaps and because of the construct of the Australian bond market with a lot of unlisted issuers. We've gone through the process that we've used for a number of years to source emissions directly or model emissions to fill in those data gaps. And then that's allowed us to model a range of decarbonisation scenarios. We look at issuers' targets and whether the targets are science-based, whether the issuers have looked at having independent verification of the targets that they've set. And then obviously it's a big mathematical puzzle to work through portfolios where you might have 100 different bond issuers with different targets, different baseline years, different portions of their businesses covered. So I would say don't underestimate the amount of work but we've certainly been able to successfully sort of model decarbonisation pathways for you know, 100% of bond holdings, physical bond holdings in our portfolios. So we don't think there's a data impediment to setting targets. Thank you. As we said in the beginning, bond markets are one of the largest asset classes in the world. And so it's a really important area to get right. 
And so it's been great to hear more about the work that you've been doing in this space. Thank you.